the East Coast and the sunny shores of South Carolina. Welcome to Dark Reality. We'll be discussing the unknown from cryptoids to conspiracy theories and unusual happenings. I'm your host, John Ringo. Welcome to Dark Realities. Good evening and welcome to Dark Reality. I've always liked a good, strange creature story, and I got a good one for you tonight. Evil gnomes. Now, when you think about a gnome, you think about the statue standing in the yard. Happy face, little chubby fella, happy face. Not in this case. It begins in a town called Central Valley. The story is about a gnome who terrorizes a local family. The first incident occurred when a woman by the name of Tammy moved herself and her three children into a small farmhouse on the Tulu River near Porterville. Soon after moving in, Tammy started feeling like something was watching her. She had an uneasy feeling over ever every time she walked into the, to the barn which was situated on the property. For some reason, most of the animals on the farm seemed to avoid the rickety old building and soon she noticed that a number of the ducks and chickens had slowly dwindled. She never could figure out why. She was soon going to have an idea why. One night, Tammy and her son were coming back from grocery shopping. When she parked a car, got out, and noticed movement to the right. Thinking nothing of it, she placed, picked up the grocery bag and noticed it once again, this time accompanied by what she described as a very freaky, very evil-sounding chuckle. Looking in the direction of the noise, Tammy noticed about 50 yards away from her small, her small car was a humanoid-looking figure or as she described it, a gnome. The figure was about two to three feet tall in height, wore black baggy pants, and a gold-colored shirt. The face was partly covered by a long, 
salt and peppered beard. And on the top of his head was a long red pointed hat. The nose was very large and bulbous. He had the eyes rather his eyes sank deep, deeply set. As the figure grinned at them, Tammy noticed that the grin was almost from ear to ear. And the teeth looked very ugly, brown color. And appeared to be either pointed or jagged. Tammy dropped the groceries and grabbed her son, ran off towards the house. With the cackling little man right on her heels. Tammy was able to get inside the house, and in the midst of telling her two daughters what she saw, when she saw movement outside the kitchen window. Upon investigation, she saw the top of the figure's red pointed hat moving back and forth underneath the window. Finally, what must have seemed like an eternity, the figure disappeared and Tammy was able to get the groceries from the car. This was the only time she actually saw the figure. But until she moved out, she would always hear creepy chuckling coming from the old barn as if it was taunting her or something. You would think that this would be an isolated occurrence. But it seems the gnome wasn't satisfied with just terrorizing Tammy and her family. On March of 2010, a, another family moved into the same house on the Tulu River. According to the wife, Charlie, it was perfect for their family. It was just what their family needed. Her husband looked particularly liking to the pond that was on the property and decorated it with fairies, gnomes, and toadstool statues. He even stocked, stocked the pond with Japanese koi fish. Not surprisingly, Charlie and her family also had an eerie feeling about the property, especially the barn. They tried to stay away from it as much as possible. One night, around 3 a.m., Charlie and her husband were awoke by what can only be described as a raspy, gurgling singing. Charlie and her husband looked out the bedroom window, and what they saw defined 
what they considered their reality. Standing by the pond and holding one of the garden gnomes was a creature that came right out of Grimm's fairy tale. As Charlie described it, the creature was two to three feet tall, wearing maroon pants, a baggy yellow shirt, and a brown vest over his shirt, and a dark waistcoat. It had a large green, I'm sorry, had a large gray beard and was wearing a reddish-brown pointed hat. Charlie went on to say the most horrible part of the creature were its eyes and its teeth. When it grinned, the teeth appeared to be jagged and pointed, and the eyes were small and beady and had a dark, mean look to them. Apparently the creature saw the couple looking at him, or it, reached into the pond and grabbed one of the koi fish, dropped it into its mouth and swallowed it, furious, furiously. Charlie's husband pushed open the window and yelled at the creature to leave the yard or he would call the police. The gnome grinned and laughed as he gave them the finger and disappeared. The police were called, being notified that an intruder was on the property. But when they got there, about an hour later, the only evidence was small footprints about the size of a child's surrounding the pond. This wasn't the only time the gnome would visit the pond. Night after night it would be seen holding a yard ornament and eating fish. The family eventually wised up and moved the monuments to the fish monuments out of the yard and the fish tank inside the house. Apparently this didn't go over well with the gnome. Upon the unusual time of its appearance around 3 a.m. when the gnome saw that the yard ornaments and the fish had been removed it went into a crazy frenzy and began yelling and screaming in some hellish language that nobody could understand. But they understood that he was pissed. It began to run around the house screaming in whatever language was native to it. The family felt safe until Charlie realized the dog door in the kitchen was unlocked and feared the creature would try to enter through, the, through there into their house. She was able to lock the dog door 
then ran upstairs to close off the rest of the windows. The last they heard of the creature was a very loud screeching, cackling sound that was heard underneath one of the living room windows. Charlie's husband went in to investigate and saw the top of the creature's hat underneath the window. Given all that what has happened, family decided to get out of the house and out of Porterville in general. One has to ask, was this the same creature that Tammy saw a few years prior? I first heard of both Tammy and Charlie's story on a show called MysteriousUniverse.org. And it seemed that the author of the article was able to put the two women in contact with each other. After exchanging info and including information on what they both lived through on the same property, they agreed to meet and revisited the property where their terrifying encounters had occurred. Upon arrival, they noticed the barn structure that had given both of them an eerie feeling had been torn down. But the property still had that dark feel to it. Before they left, they decided to knock on the front door of the house just to see if anyone was at home. A woman answered the door, but not very happy to see them. Told them to leave the premises after being asked about the barn or if she had experienced anything weird. So, Victoria. Hey. What are your thoughts? Hmm. Well, I always thought gnomes were... I knew they were mischievous creatures, but this is the first time I've heard of them actually having an evil intent. And uh, I researched a little bit, and gnomes were a European folklore of dwarfish subterranean goblins. Not necessarily evil, but they like to cause mischief and confusion. Now, with this particular incident, I don't think that gnome was very happy. To say the least. To say the least. Some some people are bad, some are good. I guess it goes the same for the gnome. But uh, usually they're nervous creatures. Tricksters. They like to play jokes on people, but obviously he wasn't in the joking mood. This one was, this one had uh, evil intent. Absolutely. And if it happened to me, (laughs) I would have got the shotgun. (laughs) I think I would have, too. But you know what? If I'd have seen it the first time, that would have been it. I'd have been late for the door. But, you know, what I found funny was 
the creature actually flipped off the husband of Charlie because he was so, he was pissed. Right. So I mean, he's in tune to his surroundings and you know how pe- people or humans interact. So that's what makes usually incidents like this m- more terrifying when you're up against a cryptid that has a knowledge of them. They're aware of where you're at, where they're at, and they can lock onto a target and attack. And usually people are beings that are in evil in nature, they thrive off of fear. Well, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, stories, folklore, about, you know, different different uh, cryptoids mm-hmm. and different uh, strange happenings. But you know what? Most people take that with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. And they figure out ah, it was just an old wives' tale, something like that. <clears throat> and uh, until you actually see something like that, I mean, you... There's no way in the world that you could ever, ever imagine something like that. Now, being a little kid, um, like this child was, Tammy's child, when they they arrived home after buying groceries, and you can imagine what the little kid thought, Mm. sitting there looking at this thing. They were terrified. You know, obviously he was frozen because it said Tammy grabbed the kid and ran inside right. with with him. So mm-hmm. I'll tell you this. I hope everybody enjoyed this little tidbit. Our next story: the Beast of Bray Road, a hairy humanoid. With canine features. The Beast of Bray Road. Excuse me. The Beast of Bray Road has been sighted in Wisconsin dating back to 1936. On a rural road outside of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. More recent sightings in the 1980s and then again in the 1990s. Placed a creature in... Racine, Walworth, and Jefferson Counties. Those who have seen the beast described him as eating or hunting, even scavenging. Also known as man-wolf, bear-wolf, and indigenous dog-man. It is said to be around six feet tall, with gray and brown fur. His face resembles that of a wolf with shiny, yellow, slanted eyes and pointed ears. Its body, though furry, looks like a muscular man. The creature is said to run and walk on all fours, but its legs are hinged like a dog. 
and he has been spied sitting on the side, hunched and kneeling like a man. So what do you think about that? Well, there's a lot of stories out there about um, werewolves, beasts, creatures of that sort. This one in particular was uh, described as a hairy humanoid with canine features. And to me, that sounds like a werewolf. So, uh, some uh, cultures solely believe that there were really werewolves, descendants of the wolf, or I guess the other way would be like it was a disease and they were affected by it and they became a werewolf. Right. <clears throat> Many people think that it was a werewolf or is a werewolf. Others believe it's Bigfoot and some believe it's an unidentified species though it has never attacked anybody. Some witnesses claim that it has acted aggressively, running at them, jumping on their vehicles. Some researchers consider the beast of Bray Road to be identical to a kind of Wisconsin Bigfoot that locals call the Bluff Monster or the Eddy. Others included, including many Native Americans, believe it to be the Wendigo, which has often been spied in Minnesota. Others believe that it's simply a mist identified and is just a wolf, a bear, or a large feral dog. The werewolf-like creature has been portrayed regularly in the media since the first sightings and even at a low-budget movie based on the legend. The number of sightings in the late 1980s and early 1990s prompt a local newspaper, the Walworth Creek Week. They assigned a reporter, Linda Godfrey, to cover the story. Initially, she was skeptical, and that's that's understandable because most people probably would if they've never seen this creature before, but soon became convinced of of the authenticity and later wrote a book titled The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf. That is a crazy story. It is. You know, I I I've seen footage on some of these things. Of course, they weren't uh, actual footage. They were reenactments. Reenactments, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There was one where the this fellow was parked side the road, and he worked for some utility company, some local utility company. Anyway, he was sitting there. And it was dusk outside, mm-hmm. and the guy was filling out paperwork, I guess manifests or whatever whatever he was doing. Anyway, his job, working for the state, I believe it was, mm-hmm. was to drive the roads and pick up roadkill 
yeah. Well, this guy picked up this deer that had been hit. So he put it in the back of the truck. And now he's filling out the manifest and everything. All of a sudden, he felt movement in the back of his truck. Mm. So he turned around, and there was something back there. He couldn't make it out because it was dark outside. He couldn't make out what it was. Yeah. So he shined his flashlight through the back window, the back window of his truck, mm-hmm. and there it was. The beast of Burl. The beast. And what it was doing was eating the deer, the dead deer. Deer, yeah. Mm. The guy freaked out, <laughs> to say the least. And what he did, <clears throat> of course, he didn't get out of the car. That would have been foolish. But what he did is he put the car in, or put the truck in drive, and started driving off. Well, the beast grabbed this deer. I don't know. I guess it was about a hundred and twenty-five pound deer. Just grabbed it up like it was nothing and jumped off the back of the truck. It ran off into the woods. Ran off. Well, not really ran off. He sat there and ate it. Something it, to pick up a deer like that and just take off is uh, obviously very strong. Well, you know, a man pr- could probably do that, but this mm-hmm. thing did it with such ease. Right, right. That, that you know, it's almost like he had some sort of agenda. Well, and he did. He was hungry. <laughs> you have to assume that it's definitely stronger than, you know, a regular man. So. Anyway, I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody for listening in. On behalf of myself, John Ringo, and my co-host, Victoria, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. And don't forget to share. And don't forget to like. Pleasant dreams. <laughs>